Welcome travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your not-so-humble guides on the quest for RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. On our show, we feature diverse tabletop RPG systems, demonstrating them through actual plays and breaking down the rules to provide you with tips, tools, and techniques to help you navigate them. We also love bringing the content creators behind these games into the studio to give you a peek behind the curtain with relevant and insightful interviews. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world or system you're playing. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, diverse NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from today's sponsor. Hello there, adventure. Get ready to embark on an epic journey with Mythcraft RPG. Mythcraft is the ultimate TTRPG system and universe brought to you by the Homebrew Network in partnership with Quasi Real Publishing. With one of the most robust character creation systems on the market, you'll have the power to design and play your dream character in a huge, narratively rich universe. Choose from 14 lineages, 11 classes, countless occupation and profession options, and a ton of talents. Discover endless intriguing and unique combinations to create your perfect hero. And the best part? You'll get new options for your character with a new talent point every level. Mythcraft needs your support to make this happen. Check out the Kickstarter today at MythcraftRPG.com and get ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime. The Mythcraft RPG Kickstarter is open until April 19th, and you won't want to miss out on this thrilling journey. Let's do this. That's MythcraftRPG.com. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. And I got to say, I'm so happy to be ending International Women's Month this year with this particular interview. We've got some really special friends of the show, folks that have been here basically since the beginning when the show started in the studio today. We're really excited to be introducing them in just a moment. But before we get to them, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, good sunny Saturday afternoon, which is a weird time for us to be recording, but such as, such as it is. How are you folks doing today? I don't know. I'm always excited when we have the morning recordings on the weekend because it means we're talking to some of our friends from afar who have a completely different time zone (laughs) Exactly, uh, because they're in the UK. And I actually still have sun, too, even though I'm further away. Today, I am in Maryland. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I didn't I even ask where you were. For a week. You'd been in Connecticut for so long. I hadn't even asked you where, where your road warrior ways have taken you. So that's a... Right. We're still mostly in Connecticut until end of April, but yeah, we yeah. came down this way to visit my sister for a week. We're going to be here for about a week. We're going to visit her over the weekend. Then we're going to move slightly closer to DC week, and then we're going to go into DC on the Metro and look at the Smithsonian. And we'll be coming back up that way, but it should be a good time. 
Nice. I like it. How about you, Lewanika? What are you up to today? I am just having a grand old time. I did something completely unusual for me, something I've never done in my entire life. I actually scheduled a vacation just to actually be a vacation from my nine to five job. So Thursday, sometime early Thursday afternoon, my boss was telling the rest of my team, remember that Lewanika has the day off Friday, won't be back till Tuesday. And that reminded me that I had done this and set this up three months ago. I realized in that moment, man, I could really use a vacation and I was for the first time <laughs> in my life smart enough to get myself one. Yeah. And, yep. and I'm just very happy about that. This weekend also happens to be my oldest grandson's 13th birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Ryden. Loved talking with you and getting to see you on the phone just before we came to recording. Really made Pop Pop's day when he gets to see your face and hear your laugh. And my grandson is excited because he's about to start his first full watch through on Firefly. I am so super excited. Like he's all in. He is Pop Pop's kid. Like his dad, he does all the geek things. And that makes me so happy and proud. Did you tell him that you can't wait to share season two with him? He's aware of that pain because he actually is already <laughs> Season two is the movie, bro. Yeah, season two. How many other canceled shows ever got that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But trying very hard to get my son to watch it, but he still refuses. We've it's like we've made too much pressure about it, and he's decided Mm. that Firefly is the show he'll never watch. Yeah, no, that's a shame. But Rise already in the middle of Castle, so he's been watching Castle. He's all about Nathan Fillion, which again warms my heart. And we talked about him getting caught up on some of the Star Trek shows and talked about Star Trek Adventures, and which I'm running my the I'm running the next session tonight, just an hour or so after we finish our recording today. Cool. Anyway, all that's good. You've already heard their lovely voices in the background as we were kibitzing here. We are just absolutely chuffed to go ahead and have from the UK, Scald and Kel, the dynamic duo that is Awfully Queer Heroes on the show today. Ladies, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. You like the, like your second home here. You are always welcome, and it is so awesome to have you on once again. Thank you, thank you. That's really appreciated. And it is really good to see you guys. It is. It is it's always way too to long. on the show, yeah. too. Whether it's yeah. chatting or throw, throwing dice, whatever it is, it's yeah. always oh, great. So thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. And we're bringing you in here again. We're going to be talking, obviously, about whatever project you've got going forward. But but always, the thing that always kind of struck me about you guys is the amount of content you put out. So before we kind of get into all those questions, though, for any of our listeners who have somehow been living under a rock for the last two and a half years and the number of times that we've brought you up, tell our listeners who Awfully Queer Heroes is and what y'all strive to do. Thank you. Okay. We're awfully queer heroes. We're awfully queer and we try and be queer heroes. (laughs) However you want to play the words, it works. We just want to make extremely gay TTRPGs. We started as entirely D&D. Scold knows Pathfinder 2 way better than I do. So we've, on one of our more recent Kickstarters, we branched out on that and we're doing it on the next one that's coming as well. But we're also... Something that I personally am extremely proud of. One of the only map makers for TTRPGs that does access-friendly maps. I've tried convincing other map makers to do it, and they just won't have it. They either don't want the don't have the assets, don't care about doing it, whatever it may be. I can't speak for their reasons, but they, those were two that I've been told in the last year. But it really means a lot to me that we can do that for people because if someone has a character who has mobility issues or is a wheelchair user. They can use our maps to, to move around without issues. So we do those as well. That's on Patreon. That's all the time constantly going. All of our projects are access friendly and have both stairs, ramps, winches, 
whatever it may be. And we've got some amazing stuff coming up. Yeah. Oh, we have lots and lots of adventures we've done. There's with obviously being awfully queer heroes, the focus is on the LGBTQA, that entire community and just increasing representation in these games, but also just increasing diversity in these games overall, hence access friendly maps, as well as one of the adventure modules that we did, which was gay, but also about inclusivity and education was the adventures in ADHD. So producing modules that are either adventures or supplement modules like spell companions and stuff like that, and just making more and more of those. There's also a Discord server as well, which is intended to be an inclusive space for people to get together, talk about TTRPGs, and also, again, a safe space for people who are LGBTQA identified. So just increasing representation in these games and making a place where people can feel safe and comfortable to engage in discourse around TTRPGs and increase representation, especially for the queer community. Amazing. Y'all are in the rarefied community of folks that have books on my bookshelf with your names on it and have also been on the show. That is uh, that is rare company indeed. And so I'm a proud backer of any Kickstarter you have put out, I will back because the quality of content that you guys put out is so incredible. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, Josh. It's a great honor by coming on today. Yeah. Well, so. you honor us by not only having us on, but also having our stuff on the shelf. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right over here. no small amount of my shelf is it has a space that's growing, and because I am an organizational fiend, I thrive on trying to be organized with my bookshelves. I actually have built-in space for the next several Kickstarters from you. Uh, yes, <laughs> oh, we love it. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. We Thank love you. it. It is not just the stuff you have. It is not just the stuff you <laughs> have had. It's the stuff that I plan to get yeah. from you that is oh, going. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me so happy. And, and, oh, yeah. Uh, for, for more books, which means what? You've got enough space on your shelf for the next six months of their projects? We'll get into that since we are like merely weeks away from actually finishing the book that, that we did on Kickstarter back at the end of last yes. year. Uh, I've got a space on my shelf waiting for yep. it. Yep. We've got a, we've got we're going to talk about the insane pace that you guys work at in just a minute here. But I think uh, before we can get to that, I think the three of us need to roll initiative to see who gets to go ahead and throw oh, out yeah. questions first here. So uh, <laughs> let's be here. You know, I'm breaking out the rainbow dice. I think that's perfect. I am rolling my Star Trek command dice today. Oh, hell yes. nice! Because it's a Star Trek day for me. That's a ten for me. Perfectly middle of the road. And I'm slightly less than that with a nine. All right, Mr. Myers. Oh, I'm using my digital dice. I have a nine. Oh, all right. Ooh. Cool. Lee, Nika, and Glenn, I need you guys to roll off again to see who gets to go second. I still get to go first. I don't know. If one of us gets a nat 20, I think that trumps your roll. I got a six. You're, you're up, Josh, and Glenn, you're going to take the second seed, I think. <laughs> Excellent. All righty then. Okay. I've already alluded to this before about just the insane turnaround that you guys have. I want you guys to go ahead and dive into that a little bit. How often are you putting out projects? And really the question that I've got to ask is, how do you do it, right? How how do you put out because how many kickstarters did you put out into the, in 2022 was it three or four no last year last year we only did two actually we only did two. two last year yeah did a couple the year before that yes. you've already done one this year and you already have another one two in more this year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're doing, so that's seven over the last three years, seven yeah. Kickstarters over the last three years. How, cause like y'all are busy. Like I know what you guys do when you're not, yeah. when you're not writing, how do you find the time and what's the drive behind putting together th that much content? I think that part of it is that we both are creative people. And one of the things is that doing this kind of work 
genuinely makes us happy. So when you enjoy something, you're a hell of a lot more motivated with it. But also we have now that set schedule where it's two to three, I think, per year, potentially four. We, no, we've got three a year for the next yeah. couple of years that are written out. So roughly three a year. And there's a couple different factors into it. One is that we do collaborate. So we write like fiends because there's two of us and we can write and we have different strengths. So Kel, for example, is brilliant when it comes to coming up with ideas for things. Like we should have this building or we should have this group or we should have this kind of subclass. And then because of the years that I've spent with D&D, it's easier for me to do things like the subclasses and some of the technical writing or making the monsters and that kind of thing. Whereas I'll come up with the idea for the monster. Yes. Like, it can be huge and it has some of this and some of that. And I'm just spouting out the most evil thing that I can come up with. And Skull's the one that actually puts stats to it. Here we go. <laughs> but then also, for example, descriptions and fleshing out some of those ideas is something that I enjoy doing. So between the two of us, the writing portion we cover pretty well. Fast. Um, and fast. Additionally to that, a fair bit of the art that we use in the book, certainly not all, there's usually at least two or so original pieces of artwork in every book that we've published, but there's also a fair bit of stock art which is easier to come by and use. And also just to clarify, we ourselves and AQH is very much anti-AI art as far as theft, just to put that out there. But we do sometimes use stock art in our work. And the other thing is we shifted. So now, for example, we do all of the formatting in-house. So I do all the layout for us. And consolidating has helped us stay on schedule a little better because both of us are admittedly a little bit of workaholics. And being that we are working together rather than outsourcing quite as much, it does mean that it's a little bit faster as far as the process of narrowing things down, polishing things off, getting it all set neat. So I think it's a combination of the different skills that we both bring to the table as well as our drive around this kind of work and how much that we just really enjoy doing it. And when it comes to the actual technical stuff as far as running Kickstarter, setting up the Kickstarter, doing the advertising, that is all Kel's domain. Usually while they're doing that for a project, I'm starting to work on the formatting for it and the artsy fartsy stuff. But Kel's got the technical stuff down to a science. So again, we, it's you. like we each have our different strengths and weaknesses. So between the two of us, we can cover a fair few of the bases pretty quick. Yeah. But the simple and short answer to the question is over-enthusiastic, highly imaginative <laughs> workaholics. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. ADHD yeah. and a jumpy yeah. jump ADHD. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm going to do a bit of this and a bit of this and a bit of this and a bit of this. So I'll work yeah. on seven projects at once and scores. I will finish the first one that you picked up and then I'll work <laughs> on the second one and the third yeah, yeah. one and the fourth one. And by the time it's the fourth one, I'm on project 12. It's right. like, cool, cool, cool. Right. I'm just churning these out. Don't worry about it. It's absolute catch up when you can. Yeah. Yes. I will say your technical know-how of how Kickstarter works was hugely instrumental when we put ours together. So I'm not sure I ever properly thanked you for that. But uh, yeah, it was a very, your feedback was very helpful in making sure that campaign looked halfway decent. So Awesome. But, and I'm so glad that it went the way that yes. it did again. Congrats, gents, on running thank that. You. That was exactly awesome. awesome. I'm so glad yeah, we could you. help. In, it was nice to get the first one out. Yeah. And we're yeah. already talking about what our next one is going to be. So that'll, yep. that'll nice. be exciting. So yeah. Nice. Meet nice. Meetings are being planned currently uh, towards that end. And uh, as soon as we finish this book, we're not, yeah. I, we're not, like, quite we're there. not allowing ourselves to talk about the next one until this book is actually done. And that should, that be is a good plan. Yes. Imminent. I need Josh and Glenn to put their muffin ears on. And I'm just going to speak to Kel and Scald right now. I think it's I your am, question. Listen, but it is absolutely not. I am in my head already on that next project and I keep of putting course. stuff in that folder and I keep doing things and I've actually got stuff in a folder that goes beyond that as well. So I, nice. I, yeah, I'm right. Yeah. Do the same. This is, that's a, that is a very typical Kel move where Kel yeah. will do a project and I'm like, 
I must see this one all the way through to completion before I can even look at the next one. Hey, but again, between the two of us, it works. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say, so I've just learned to, generally speaking, just not say anything and just keep putting stuff in the folder. <laughs> yeah. And that way, when yes. we get to that, they see it and this folder's already blown up. And it's like, I, guess I, know, I, I, I guess we know what the first conversation is. What are we keeping in this project? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, guys, All your right. muffin ears can come off. Glenn, your question. <laughs> Glenn, it's your question, yeah. <laughs> but I can't hear you because I still have muffin ears on. Oh, there you go. How am I supposed to know to take them off? What the hell is a muffin? Do you like put muffins on your ears? Is muffin ears a euphemism or is that? I don't know. I don't know. You may not have understood it, but you knew what I meant, so... It's a magic item. It's an upcoming magic item that he's already put in one of those folders, is what it is. There you go. True communication is an understanding of the meaning. has absolutely nothing to do with the words used. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so I get to ask a question now. If Lee Lundy is done using his reaction, Scald. You have yes, appeared sir. on a number of our class warfares, even running one of them, which was fantastically. Mm -hmm. Actually, both of you have, because when we did Adventures in ADHD, you and Kel both ran it. So I really enjoyed those, and we developed them alongside you as you continued to play in them as we worked on them. We're going to do some more for the classes we haven't done yet. But I wanted to know which one was your favorite. No pressure to pick anybody in particular. Which one was your favorite Class Warfare episode that we all put together? First of all, I did see Josh give a little grin when you did ask that question because that is a difficult one for the fact that I have so many good memories of doing those with you guys because I remember the one that I ran, Glenn, you just turned into a ninja and you kept running through the walls, which was so fun because it was totally unexpected. We had a giant dragon thing come out of a pit in the one that Josh ran. We had a nope rope and a ton of bugs in the one that Lou ran. The <laughs> there were so many fun moments in that, but I think just given the fact that I laughed so hard that my ribs actually hurt the next day, I would probably have to go with the headless horseman fight from the, the bard, bard battle yeah, because absolutely. we did have a legitimate bard battle with a headless horseman. And I think that one just takes the cake. There's so many good moments though, but that was the one when I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh my gosh, my ribs. Yeah. Nice. That, I, the halfling bard that you rolled up for that scald was so brilliant. That was so and the way you played that was incredible. Oh. The way, when Lee Wanika kept going down and popping back up, but he's down and you're coming after him. Don't you quit on me, man! <laughs> Don't you die on me, buddy! <laughs> oh, gosh! That was oh. a really fun game. I have so enjoyed doing those class war warfares with all of you. That has been just an absolute blast, and I always look forward to them. I absolutely agree with you. I think the bard battle was absolutely fantastic i believe i said it on the episode that it was the role-playing moment i've lived my life for was to nice. the actual devil went down to georgia kind of scenario i was all for that and i so love that adventure i absolutely stole your line when i started playing dcc a few weeks ago and i was playing nice. rogue and when i was chained to a wall and the party came in and they found me and my first words in the game were oi you big mon Get me off of this thing. And so that was all you scald. I and that is that made the character for me. And I totally stole that from you. And I and but yeah, that I'm, is my that is I'm my great so glad. That was so awesome. 
I'm so dang glad. That game was an absolute blast. And like, for me, I don't get to play very often. So being able to do that has been, it's just been so much fun. And that was absolutely hilarious. I lost track of the number of times that we, like all of us just ended up cracking up in the middle <laughs> of all of that, everything. It was just brilliant. And it was so much fun. Yeah. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. it um, so for nice. me, which brings me to my part two, because it was a two-part question. That was like the segue to bring us to it. For me, my absolute favorite was the one we ran for y'all for Adventures in ADHD. That was a good uh, and one. I absolutely loved playing Twitch, my little Heron Gone rabbit. I was just thinking about that. I'm where thinking you the did... fashion show. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten about the fashion show on the bridge with the spell that made me keep changing clothes and putting on new outfits. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. with Argel, um, the so much on Paladin. Yeah, I believe like I even did the whole flash dance thing with the. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, and we had so, so much fun with that. So, I'm, yeah. and I'm not sure if Kellen's called if you guys know this, but when so I played Argel, the locked on Paladin with the right. In another mm. game we played called Babies and Broadswords, that was all, it's like Muppet Babies plus D&D put together. Super fun game. I played Artie the Waxodon in that game, and it was Argil as a baby in this, you know, who like, who he's and he's like the baby with a perpetually stuffed nose. That was part of his weapon was his trunk was always stuffed, so he always talked That's like adorable. this. Oh, yeah, it was like it was something. He slammed the knob. He slammed the knob. I was jelly bean. Yeah, yeah. Oh. A, a river otter. That was my well, now we have not the next one. I don't think the next two projects, but I know in January we have one that's got subclasses in and going to be some very interesting ones. Yeah. Alice. But I was playing were... the daredevil in that one. Yeah. And it was actually a question that I was headed for. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> no worries. I enjoy all of the side chatter too. I designed this, I planned this question to be a conversation. So. The Daredevil in particular, because that's the one that I learned the most, I really enjoyed. And there were so many pieces of it and the way that you wrote the subclasses in that book that 100% reflected what you were asking yourself, asking of yourselves in the title. So in terms of that project and the work that you put into it and creating and encompassing the aspects of ADD and being all over the place, man, into character classes... Which one of them was your favorites? And which one was the hardest one to create? See, favorite-wise, I'm torn between the sorcerer for what... The what the, Yeah, the empath mm -hmm. sorcerer for what emotions being felt on the day. The rogue, because I... Jumpy, jumpy. So did I. So, I like the rogue. Yeah, I love the rogue. Um, so either that or the empath sorcerer. But then oh, the paladin... I, love, I do so love the fact fun. that the trigger for changing states isn't a choice. Right. Yep. Because very often ADHDers don't have a choice. Yeah. Sometimes you might see what's about to occur, and other times it's like you're walking around with a pepper army in your hand for 20 minutes because you don't realize you picked it up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that I, was the one thing i will say with the paladin is that sometimes you can like skew what you're going to be doing okay if i put myself into this situation i'm likely to get triggered into my offensive stance and that's yes. what i want that's where i want to be so it's like yes. there's some degree of control but there's a, there was still significant chaos and if i do this and then something else happens i'll be in a good position but if i do yes. this and that doesn't happen then i'm screwed like mm -hmm. never mind interestingly when i think back to that game and just what you said josh 
when we ran that scenario that was well before I had made the personal decision to start taking my own mental health in my own hands, get my get medication for my ADHD and start really responding to the reality of my life. And that character did not appeal to me as much at that time. However, now a month into being on medication and actually for the first time in my life, realizing some level of calm to the chaos, it really has a much stronger appeal to me than I ever would have thought. And specifically for what you just mentioned, I now have a better ability to recognize when I'm about to be in a situation that is going to create challenges or outcomes that I'm aware of because I'm purposeful in my existence now. And I am looking for some of those things so I can steer clear or steer out to some extent, though there will always be things that I, that just happen. And I have to be aware of that. I have to be forgiving of myself for that. And have to be understanding of that. The fact that was there and in front of my eyes before I got to this point is amazing to me. And on some level, might it have been part of the reason why I've been on this very long journey? Was it one of the catalysts? Our show in general, our conversations with the two of you over over the years, and certainly regarding that project, have definitely yeah. given me a lot more to think about where I am more comfortable about talking about it. I talk about it on the show now pretty much all the time because Amazing. I am comfortable with it, whereas before it was like, Not so much for me. Like it was never me like not wanting to accept it in other people or being against it or any of those things. It was always like, but I didn't feel comfortable with me. And that's a me issue that I had to get through. So simply having these things that people can recognize in themselves in a game. In my case, it's the heroes from the ADHD set. In somebody else's case, it's it might be those heroes that need the accessibility maps and such. More absolutely critical than I would have ever thought possible three and four years ago, five years ago, a year ago. And in the last year, I'm really seeing that a lot more. I It has caused me not just in gaming, not just in my own mental health, but in all aspects of my life to be much more purposeful. The types of guests that we've had on our shows, I think reflect that, not just for me. I think Josh and Glenn have, have been on similar journeys and we've all come to the same place. Forgive me if I'm speaking for you guys, but I think that is largely what I really love about this platform, this show, and our connections that we've made with especially the two of you, so many others in our community. It's just, I get it now in ways that I never possibly got it before. I always had a level of understanding and empathy and camaraderie and connectiveness, but it is so much stronger now because honestly, in a game, we were able to play these things out and enjoy ourselves on a whim. We knocked out some fun and had a bunch of laughs on a Saturday afternoon, but I came away from that with so much more. Mm -hmm. And I think that, first of all, thank you, Lou, for sharing that. Yes, thank you. That is amazing. And that kind of thing is what we at AQH want to do. And the whole point of the inclusivity in games is that when you do play these games, you can play a character that has aspects of you, that you can explore different aspects of yourself, whether you're doing that with intent or whether you're just doing it for fun. And that's part of why we make the things that we make. It's so that as you're reading through this adventure, oh, here's an NPC who is asexual panromantic. 
here's an NPC that is transgender. Here's an NPC that is bisexual. Here's an accessible map. Here's a subclass that lets me play my favorite class in the game in a way that reminds me of me. And so it's increasing that ability for people to find things that they can really connect with and identify with in these games. And I think ADHD for me was where it all started here with AQH because that module was written, like officially written before Kel split Mm -hmm. AQH with me. So that had been written before I joined. And then that was the first time I got to meet you lovely gents was when we did that session. And then when we were getting that formatted, long story short, it didn't go so well. And that's when I I remember that conversation. I was like, (laughs) so we have this thing. Don't worry, it's three guys. They're fine. They're lovely. They're really awesome. <laughs> and I was like, three guys, are you sure about this? I was like, no, they're amazing. Seriously, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. The next thing I know, you're practically pinching her off of me. Not <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it though. And just, oh, that was definitely where it all started. That's yeah. when I started doing the formatting to us for us as well. Yeah. So that was... And honestly, since then, being able to do just the class warfare sessions with you all and just being able to have those like once every couple months, just solid evening, day, whatever it is, time zones, when we get together and just have a bunch of fun. It's such a blast. Mm-hmm. And it's just I have so many good memories of that in the last couple of years. And just I feel like in the last year or so, all the little bright spots in my memory are around the TTRPG community. And you gents are always front and center with that because it's been such a delight to just one get to know all of you because you are all absolutely lovely yes. and brilliant <laughs> and two to be able to throw dice and play yeah. through subclasses or modules or whatever the heck it is and it's just it's been great yeah so it's been really great for me with the adventures in adhd module specifically <clears throat> there's a group of test players that i use most of the time they're doing the next one the next project at the moment actually they're running through testing everything but i gave them adventures in adhd while it was still being processed like there were the first two sections and two subclasses then there was another section and another subclass and there was a little bit more and i was giving it to them in dribs and drabs but thankfully they're used to me they understand how things go it's fine and i have full permission to share this because i did check as soon as i was told but the lead gm who does all the testing for me said that while they hadn't had problems between them and their partner things weren't as potentially good as they could have been because they just couldn't communicate. No matter what they tried, no matter how they put it across, whatever it was, they'd always end up having disagreements, rows. They just couldn't speak in a way that the other one could understand. And they'd contemplated going to counseling, various different things. And then this person started playing Adventures in ADHD. And within a week came back and said, thank you. I've actually just had one of the first conversations with my partner where I actually understand. And for me as a creator and someone who's put this out there, that is, that's That's a compliment that cannot be replicated at all. Yeah. Yeah, That is. And for Lou, for you to tell us that this has made an impact on you and helped you be more open about things. Thank you. I'm so glad that it could help somehow because that's literally what it's for. And it makes me so happy. Fantastic. Yeah, it is making a difference in so many ways. I won't tie us terribly up on, on this broadcast with all of them, but some very significant improvements in my family life are also, I'm seeing the fruits of those. And that, like I said, part of, the, there's all, there's any number of steps in a journey. 
so glad that I, that we got the chance to meet so that I knew the I had some other tools to lean on, lean into, and so we could so that I could get to where I'm at today and where I'm headed. Just so, you, just so you guys know, you constantly come up in co- other conversations when we're talking about our journey. Oh, no. this is where we talk about AQH and you yeah. two all the time. No, no, no. Um, to be fair, we talk about you guys a fair bit yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so when we do get one of our next class warfares going, we're going to have to make sure we can plan it on a weekend so that we can get both of you in. I know those are it's harder yeah. to schedule that, but man, it'd be nice to get yeah, you both again. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say the same thing because Kelly, you're being very kind about the fact that yeah, we basically we met you first and then you introduced us to Scald and we said, hey, Scald's pretty cool. We're going to keep working with her all the time and have you on. <laughs> 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 I, I, had, I hadn't what quite put that, my... that two and two together yet until you said that. So, so. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, okay, you guys then. <laughs> if you're on the same continent, if you're on the same continent, it would be a lot easier to schedule. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, I, I, I made the same joke to Scald, and she was like, "Wait, what?" I can stop. I was like, "No, I'm joking. I love you guys. Please work with them." Oh, <laughs> If joining the Tabletop Journeys actual play games sounds like the kind of fun you're looking for, be sure to check out patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where patrons of the Tabletop Journeys podcast not only get early access to all of our episodes, but they get the opportunity to play in our monthly actual play games, where the dice are wild and we make every roll legendary. I think it's still your time for a question, Lewinink, actually. I don't think there was actually a question in there. There really wasn't. I was actually just commenting and carrying on the conversation that Glenn had started. Great conversation lead-in, Glenn. I really appreciate that. That was was good. My question is equally a conversation piece and but essentially you mentioned the fact that you that kelly you mentioned the fact that scald is much more knowledgeable about pathfinder 2 and i am very interested obviously with the nightmare that we all went through in the ttrpg community over the holidays and we're on the positive side of now Seriously created waves. Many content creators, I know we have made a lot of internal decisions on how we intend to go continue in the market going forward. And we have some really good ideas on that. But part of that picture is not necessarily being tied to one game system, Uh, system agnostic lore, and then having reflections in various systems is important. However, expertise in those various systems because we don't want to write about stuff we don't know. Yeah. We want to write about the things that we're good at or that we expect. We want to expand our knowledge. We want to get good at new things, but you can't start with what you don't know. So I'm very interested in hearing about the transition from 5e to Pathfinder 2, how that looks for AQH, any tips and techniques you would suggest for other uh, content creators as far as how we would do that. And then the follow-up to that, and this is more of a Quick answer, and I will only accept a yes, by the way, is when you are ready to produce that content, will you come back on the show and run scenarios with us here on TTJ so we can try this in a Pathfinder setting? So that might be our introduction into Pathfinder. Nice. Oh, yes. I will answer the second question first. Yes. <laughs> um, as fantastic. Promised, as <laughs> accepted. <laughs> yes, on their schedule, though, because the next one has Pathfinder in it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. And um, our subclasses. Yeah. We, so 
I initially, the new one being in Pathfinder was an experiment and a surprise. Yes, that it wasn't was, meant to happen. That was not planned. That was fully planned, shall we say? Sorry about that. <laughs> surprise. 37 hours extra work on me. That's fine. So what initially, when I first got into TTRPGs, it was actually with Pathfinder, the initial, the first version. So when I was in my early teens and I was playing, it was all initially with Pathfinder. And the first long running campaign that I ran was in Pathfinder. And I still, running the campaign that I do for our AQH group, frequently make the mistake of using Pathfinder rules. So I'll occasionally ask for a role from Pathfinder and everyone will go, I'm sorry, what? And I'll be like, oh, wait, sorry. Occasionally being every session. <sighs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but so after, after the whole kerfuffle went down with the OGL, which I am very grateful that it turned out the way that it did, I had a Pathfinder 2 book because I enjoyed the D&D system. I think that it does combat very well. I think that Pathfinder is great for role play because there's more diversity as far as the way that classes work and are structured, as well as the different skills that are available. And I find that generating creatures and running encounters for Pathfinder is a little bit easier than 5e because the CR rating actually works and is less of a stab in the dark, generally speaking. <laughs> but I think that there's, I mean, there's benefits and drawbacks to each system. I liked running campaigns in Pathfinder because it's so good for role play. And I tend to love a lot of that in the games that I DM. 5e is great for just fast-paced combat. So that's been great for when you want to do things like class warfare. When the OGL thing happened and a lot of people were mentioning branching out to Pathfinder 2, as well as sticking with 5e, we had pretty much all of the writing done for our next Kickstarter. And I sat down with it and I was like, okay, the biggest thing that we would have to change since it doesn't have subclasses, because subclasses work very differently in Pathfinder 2E. So it didn't have subclasses, spells, or feats. All it had was monsters and transferring monsters from one system to another is a lot easier than having to try and do subclasses. Subclasses and feats are where it gets very difficult and crunchy just because they work so different in the two systems. With the monsters, it's a little bit easier to do. So I sat down and I wrote a second version of all of it that was Pathfinder compatible. And then surprise, Kellen was like, hey, surprise. By the um, way, I've done all this random extra work. <laughs> but so that next one will have two different versions of the book, one that is for 5e and one that is for Pathfinder. And seeing as most of it is lore, that didn't have to be changed. It was just the monster stat blocks predominantly, as well as the way that some of the NPCs were described. So again, there's kind of similarities and differences between the two. With our projects moving forward, definitely all the lore and all the monsters will be for both. The question of subclasses, of which we mm. have a few, I'm still, that's still a work in progress in my mind, because while we can do the 5e subclasses, it's a very different structure for Pathfind because you have archetypes instead and they function pretty differently. So that's what my next research project will be on is trying to convert that. But for the ones that are just lore and monsters, that conversion is a lot easier to make to do the two versions of that. So our next Kickstarter will be the first one that we have formatted for both. Yep. And obviously we want to stick with 5e because it's something that we both and but also branching out and having more stuff available, particularly for people who do enjoy our work, but who want to run Pathfinder. So giving people the option to do that. And physical books again, we're going back to those finally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. excellent. So that's something that we wanted to do for yeah. both of them. And 
as someone who has run both and written both, there are some places where they're extremely similar and the crossover is very easy. And then there's one or two hinky spots like the subclasses where they're different enough that it's more complicated, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, And I think we're waiting to see how this next Kickstarter does in the Pathfinder department before we fully commit to doing every single one of our projects for both. You say that, but you've already started. Yeah, we'll probably end up doing yeah. it in both. Yeah, we'll probably end up doing it in both. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you do seventeen Kickstarters a year, you got to go through like two or three to kind of. Hey yo. And congratulations, Luanika, for the first uh, snaking of the show. That was uh, that Nicely was literally going to be my next question. Was that was the OGL? So. Yeah. <laughs> Not only I did I just, get a reaction in there, I also stole the show. I also love stole, it. stole the kill. Yeah, you, yeah. Ro- so, rogues got a rogue, right? Yeah. But with the OGL debacle. Thank God that in the end they did roll over is not the right word, but relent and give yeah. us five e. But in terms of Watsy and Hasbro, it won't be until one D and D comes out and we see what they offer for an OGL for that. Yeah, and that's when the proof will be in the pudding as to whether yeah. or not they actually listened. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we'll be swapping to the one one D and D side of things. I think so far with the projects that we've got, because we've got quite a few where I've been jumping, that we've got a lot that's we've probably got six that are at least a third, if not half done. Some of them are more than that actually. So because of that, I don't. I think we're going to be sticking with five E at least for all the ones that we've done. And I don't trust Hasbro. Yeah, and five E right. being in Creative Commons now, it's going to yeah. stay alive for a lot longer than it may have with the advent yeah. of a new edition coming out, and that's fantastic, also. Yeah. All right, gents. So forty-five minutes into this hour-long episode, and we're up to round two. Now let's, uh, normally, we're trying I want to just call it an hour questions. and a half episode. Anytime we bring, <laughs> that's fair. That's it fair. Is. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Done. yeah, that's a fair point. We just have too much fun. That's we thing. do. Yeah. yeah. I do not get to go first this time. I can almost be assured with a four. Yep. I also rolled a nine. All right. Uh, cool. The microphone is yours. I get to go first. Fantastic. Yes. So top of the round. Kellen Scald, my question to you is you've collaborated with us, which we love. And we yes. know that you work with you've worked with some other folks too. Are you guys open to other collaborations still? Are you looking for more people to work with? Yes and no. We have certain amounts of books that are already written. Some that are, as I just mentioned, there's some that are only like a third written, some that are 99% written. Not on those ones per se, but we're currently collaborating with Josh on his Wode Kickstarter. I'm collaborating with Ampersand on his Kickstarter, mm-hmm. helping with that. So yeah, we're, we're still happy to collaborate with people. Ish. It's more a to question. A degree. Yeah, it's more a question of, for example, one of the things that we do that we are comfortable doing is if someone comes to us for running a Kickstarter and says, hey, we need advice. We have like agreements, deal type stuff for doing that, for giving advice, for helping people run Kickstarters, for helping people with ads, that kind of stuff. And there's the business agreement where we can help support them in that way. And that kind of collaboration we are definitely open to. When it comes to generating actual content, that is not something we're necessarily open to. And that's We're so swamped. That's mostly way. just because we don't have the time. Because with the amount that we have to do for the Kickstarters that we already have, 
we don't have the time to really dig into some good content creation as much with other folks. While we are more than willing to help, that's you specifically, specifically. more than willing to help support people who are wanting advice on like the technical aspects of running a Kickstarter, when it comes to making content, that one, not so much. We're always down to have a chat with folks on shows like this. As far as the big heavy hitting projects, we just have not had we just not had the time. So that's okay. not something that we are trying to prevent creative burnout. And so that means we schedule in our chill time and we make sure that we have enough time that we're not too overloaded. And because right. of that, we're usually not able to. What I was specifically thinking of, which might fit in based on all of that, because yes, I was specifically thinking of something, is of since we interviewed them, and I mean, we already knew a number of the cast members, but since we interviewed Rainbow Dice Club, I have thought that you guys would be an amazing team up with them, even if it's just from a cross-promotional standpoint. As an example, you guys make a thousand and a half maps. They feature create they feature creators in their AP where they may they'd use your map as an example if you guys worked together, kind of thing. Or I don't know what you could do, but the two of you, just in terms of your overall mission statement, and when I was reading, like when I looked you all up trying to come up with new questions for today, I'm like, we've already talked to these guys. What am I going to ask them now? And your straight up thing at the top of your, I think it was Twitter, where it says D&D, but gayer or only gayer or something along those lines. I loved it. But Rainbow Dice Club is an LGBTQ community, and they're building a community on their Discord. It's all about a lot of the same things y'all have been talking about. And I just thought that could be cool. They actually messaged me about 10 days ago saying that they were going to be using our maps in one of their episodes and how did we want to be shouted out, which is awesome. So I'm nice. gonna. I replied to them at the time, but I am gonna have a conversation and see if see if they're interested in using any of our other stuff or if there's anything that we can work together on, like promo wise. Yeah, I'm so glad that y'all are working together because they are awesome people. Also, uh, that makes my heart very happy that yeah. y'all are working yeah, together. I, I think your two brands will be able to complement each other nicely if yeah. things work out. This, nice. this has been not to two tabletop journeys too much in this moment, but this has been a month where our podcast family has come together in some very cool ways. Our dear friend Michael at the RPG Academy has made appearances on Snyder's Return and Thinking Critically recently. And just hearing that you, the Rainbow Dice Club, were actually already talking as well is just amazing because I love it when our friends get together because all I can think of is some, please let me win the lottery not for any purpose other than I will just fly everybody into one spot so we can all hang. Like that would be utterly amazing. But that's so I really love the fact that you guys are talking and it is so wonderful to hear that. And amazing that you you. found each other organically too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up too. That's a good, that's a good collab for sure. Yes. If, even if they hadn't have already messaged us, I would have dropped them a message just from that recommendation. So thank you. There you go. All right, Luanika, I think you were number two. I'm going to go right to the Kickstarter. I want to hear about the very next project. I am absolutely intrigued. I want to know what's what's next on the shelf. And fill me in. Please let me know. Okay. <clears throat> I'm taking this one because we had a quick wait. Who's more excited <laughs> at this exact moment? <laughs> this started because I wanted to create a specific monster. And I wanted to be particularly evil with it but i didn't have a way of being particularly evil with it and 
I, over the course of a couple of weeks, came up with this idea that I told school nothing about. Absolutely nothing. And it's an amalgamation creature that is out of our own creation. Rainbow City, the greatest pride of all of the realms, whether it's D&D or 5e, whatever it may be. It is the greatest city of queerness in the entire realm. And so as such, it radiates an amazing energy. And this stunted, evil blight of a creature is drawn to that energy and sneaks in through the sewer systems where it's just feeding off the energy of the city, limping along, if you will, until it's found by some less than delightful cultists who think, you know what, you go give us a little bit of power, we'll give you food, what more energy from the city, various other things. And in the end, this giant creature takes over the city because it grows and grows and grows in the sewers until it bursts out with tentacles, eye stalks, and other things across the entire city. It is, I will give you a little spoiler, and this is where I become particularly evil, it is a cross between an aboleth and a beholder. And it is over 50 foot long. It is absolutely massive and it controls, it has things in all parts of the city. So they, the citizens, if you will, have rallied and tried to repel this being, but where it's coming up from the sewers and various different points, they can't. So they call in the adventurers. It's a level three through 12 adventure. And you start in one area and you work through the colors of the rainbow and a couple of others like Black City, because we have specific things that the creature is able to do that wouldn't necessarily have resistances based on the color. So in the red area, it's primarily fire. You've got fire cultists who can do lots of fire damage, but then you've got fire creatures like elementals that we've created specifically around this. Purple, for example, is psychic. So most of the creatures there deal in psychic damage. Because you have nine areas that you're going through, the odds of everyone in your team being resistant or immune to nine different types of damage are almost non-existent. So it's about going through, trying to save the town, save the people, find all the little hidden things that we've Easter egged into there, and hopefully save Rainbow City. I heard Cal mention it. We So the city was designed in the district, so you work your way through the rainbow. And every color of the rainbow is something different. And by having things like, okay, in the red district, you have a lot of fire-based things. In blue, you have water-based things. Silver is undead. Purple is telepathic. It means that it Silver works. is uh, something to do with storms. Gray, gray is undead. You flipped those. Did I flip those? Yes. Okay, my is, bad. Yeah. Never mind. But the point <laughs> is that we wanted to create an adventure that has such a variety in not only the kind of damage types that mm. you encounter, but also the different creature types so that every single type of character will have a place where they are challenged Yes, because something may have resistances to whatever they're really good at and where every single type of player has a chance to shine too, mm. because it might be vulnerable to something that they're good at. So we wanted to create as diverse as possible yeah. for combat encounters so you can kind of work your way through the levels of this city and kind of strategically go to to win it back. And of course, as a celebration of pride, it is a giant gay rainbow city. And we're planning on launching the Kickstarter right around pride this year as a celebration. Of First that. of June, actually. Yeah. Yes. That's um, perfect. And we've got like little sub little mini side quests in there that affect the larger quests. You can choose to do them. 
and you will get perks and bonuses based on the larger quest. But if you don't, it affects the outcome. It's not quite... I kind of had the idea of the old choose your own adventure book. So it's, you're still rolling, you're still choosing what to do. But if you do something, it will affect something else. So maybe if you save a certain NPC in one zone, they might have a family member in a different zone who will help you with some secret knowledge. Or if you destroy one particular thing in an area, that cuts off the supply to beasts at a later point that potentially will affect their HP and make them easier to kill. There's lots of different mechanics that have gone into this. I love that. Nice. So much good stuff. I am all about it. That sounds fantastic, and I can't wait to see it. I'm excited. It's going to be good. I love large cities with different feels or flavors in different neighborhoods or different areas. Maybe that's my – the time I spent in Boston and between Quincy and Dorchester and Southie and Chelsea and all those different areas, all the adventuring that characters I've played did in Waterdeep. It's just my knowledge and my visits to New York City where you've got very distinct neighborhoods, even within a given borough, where it is very different. Like you literally can walk to a certain point and then you cross the street and like it is a very different neighborhood now. Yeah. I love the fact that they can all be so close and they can all be connected, but yet they can all be so varied and different and give you so many different opportunities. I I like city adventures for that reason, even though not all tabletop games go there, but I like it for those flavor reasons. Yeah, because it allows you to engage with the story at any point, right? If you just want to really explore the hell out of one section of that town, right? Like I'm thinking about like the gray or the silver undead area. Is that where like the cemeteries that people are buried in or at least clerics that help usher from one side of the veil to the other and that sort of thing. So Josh, have you read our module? I think I have read enough things that you guys have put out that I know where (laughs) you're going. That's otherwise I have no comment. That's but like I can see so many stories even within that little microcosm. So it's kind of the concept of an episode in a jar, right? Where it's like, you're having this one little thing and sure, there's this gigantic abolith beholder mind flayer thing eating the rest of the city, but really, I'm just having my one little encounter. It, it, that's the kind of stuff that like the micro and macro kind of view of how things work is yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. Like we, we've put in some nice little hidden things as well. I don't know if any of you know the game Bloodborne. No. It's a console game. It's a console, right? It's I have it on PlayStation, but it's a sneaky game because it's you look it looks okay, here is the perfect path. You go straight down, you turn right, you go this way, and in that hundred meters you've just missed seventy things. <laughs> and because yeah. of this, that that has started, I will be honest, started to creep into what I create because I am a huge Bloodborne fan. And talking of the the grey area, there's a place where there's a chapel, but then there's a door that has a hidden stairway with an altar at the top, which is, I'm probably giving away spoilers here, sorry. Just a little bit. But this is just one thing. It's easily missed. But is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing that it's there? That's what could be found mm. out. That has been scattered throughout, I think, with a lot of little secret oh, yeah. hidey holes and stuff. But I think mm. in the same way that we wanted to make it so that every player has a chance to shine in a place where they'll mm. struggle and they'll need their teammates help more. Like you were saying, Josh, it's like many episodes within a larger arc where let's say really Halloween-y type games. Go to the Silver District. It's spooky. It's foggy. You got the scraggly oak trees in the graveyards. If you like a festival market type feel, try the Red District. Yes, that's where the fire creatures are, but that's because that's where the forges are. It's where the artisans are. It's where all the art stuff is. There's the Orange District, which is like temples. 
all of the holy structures and buildings. You've got, if you like water-based campaigns, there's a whole section where there's a harbor. There's a green district where almost the entire district is overgrown. You've got living roofs on the buildings and it's all gardens and plants. It's a druid's haven. So The libraries. The libraries, giant libraries in purple. So it's one of the things where in going through this adventure, whatever it is that you really like to do or whatever you really want to do with your character, you will have a chance for that somewhere in here without having to flavor the whole adventure to that. So you can have the little kind of mini episodes and then that's all under the larger kind of arc. Yeah, It's like how all the best content in Skyrim was the stuff not on the main line, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think I have got the honor of asking the last question today. And, Let's hear it, Josh. Uh, and I, I'm not going to go ahead. Normally, I ask like the real pain in the ass questions to go ahead and end, and I hope that's actually not what this is. I want to talk about the partnership that you guys have developed through Awfully Queer Heroes, and I want to know what is the biggest kind of change or the most unexpected change in the trajectory of Awfully Queer Heroes that you have had? Because you've been at this now for several years. You've been working yeah. for at least as long as we've been on the air. So what's the biggest trajectory change that's happened? over the course of those last few years to get you to where you are now? I think my guess would be that, and again, this is seen as how I came in partway through this. That would be, this is just a guess. But my guess is that it's almost, you know, there's the running joke that your 20s is when you're trying to figure things out. And when you get more of a sense (laughs) of yourself, that's when everything comes together. Don't get me wrong. We're all figuring it out until until our very last days. But there was a sense where I know that AQH after Kel formed it was there was the maps, there was content creation, but there was also podcasting. The Twitch stream for a while. A Twitch stream. So it was predominantly an AP scene with the additional Kickstarters in there as well. And then after I came on and we did Adventures in ADHD, we realized between the two of us that we were pretty good at content creation, that between the two of us, with the stuff that we could come up with and work out together, we were pretty good at making this. So I think at that point is when AQH shifted to becoming more about content creation. And I was getting stupidly burnt out trying to run a tri- Twitch stream podcast and a content creation yeah. thing and do two starters in a year. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have to say, it's interesting because I feel like in that way, our partnership with AQH, what kind of has formed AQH into what it is now was quite literally our partnership not in the business sense yeah us getting together yeah yeah because that has that's all those things happened at the same time and then when we did split aqh and realized hey we can we're pretty good at doing this thing when we put our adhd brains together (laughs) so realizing that was something that we could not only do well but that we genuinely enjoy doing together and so i think the sort of the transition and the shift for aqh was when it shifted from all the crazy like million and one things that Cal was running to suddenly it being two of us and narrowing down the focus. A we hyper-focused bit. on content creation and let the rest drop. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm more speculating here because that change was what allowed me to come on and be part of the group. And that change was what... In group. <laughs> it's part of the group. It's me. <laughs> I am the group. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, we appreciate your existence. <laughs> My pleasure. Mm. The royal we, yeah. as it were. Oh, I'm familiar with that we. Yes. When Mr. Luanika <laughs> Miller has some grand ideas that we should do. <laughs> I like to throw out we and just say I've got extra voices in my head too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that's actually quite funny is 
you will see it all over the TTRPG Twitter. Everyone refers to their business account as, oh, we do this, we do that. Blatantly knowing there is one person behind it. Yeah. Every yeah. time. But yeah, I was doing this for probably two, two and a half years before Scold came on. And it was it was around that time when I was actually contemplating quitting AQH altogether because I was so burnt out. I couldn't cope. I was running the podcast. I was trying to do Twitch streams, two Kickstarters a year, full-time job, managing all the social medias. I just couldn't do it. So I said to Scold, look, I need a couple of weeks off. I'm going to be off Twitter. Don't worry about it. She said, you know what? Let me help. I'll take it over for a while. So she looked after it for a month. I actually got a few brain cells back, which was amazing. I actually had three to work with for a change. And then it was like the level of care and attention and everything else that she put into looking after something that wasn't hers, that she'd had nothing to do with before. I was like, actually, this is quite a good idea. I'm going to ditch all these things that are causing me stress and you and me are going to work on this. I politely asked you if you would like to join as opposed to you will come in. (laughs) Come in and join us in the group. Yes, yes. Come join my group of one, please. Oh, it's a group of two. Well, yeah. Oh, perfect. Oh, all right. That was super cute. That's amazing. (laughs) Sorry, you guys out there, you're on, this is radio, so you didn't get to see it, but they were cute on camera. Exactly right, yeah. I love having you two on. It's it's hard to imagine that it's already been an hour at this point. We got to have you on more often and got to go ahead and get those class warfare started back up so that that, we can poach Scald once again and have her on. Yes! All the more often, yeah, yeah. But uh, in the meantime, let our listeners know where can they find the stuff that you have already produced, where, what's the next Kickstarter, like, how do they find you and how do they connect with you to go ahead and get access? How do folks listening to our show engage with you? How do they find your content? Can they get your back catalog of books? when does the next kickstarter launch all that sort of stuff okay so, short one i'll just throw mine out because i'm obviously part of aqh but i also do have my own twitter account where i occasionally throw out a little something and that's at scald of shenan scald of shenanigans and i'm always down to chat so just come say hello next kickstarter is launching june 1st it is the rescue rainbow city we are already advertising it on the aqh twitter and that one will be launching to celebrate pride Yes. And then all the other deeds? The Awfully Queer Heroes at Twitter is Awfully Q Heroes because Twitter doesn't allow me enough characters to spell out the whole thing. We do have a link tree on there which has all the details of where our items can be found. At the moment, we have limited physical items, most of which I am taking to the UKGE convention. There are some on Drive-Thru RPG. We try to always get the physical editions on there as well if possible, though it's usually cheaper if you if someone can come see us in person because we've printed them ourselves and thereby we can cut a lot of the costs. So we'll be at UKGE, which is UK Gaming Expo, that starts on the 2nd of June. So we're launching and then having four days of early bird discounts so that to celebrate Pride and us being at the convention and me not having time to go, oh, we've stopped the early bird, sorry guys, in that period of time. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we have a link tree on our Twitter. I'm always on it, more than happy to talk to anyone. My DMs are always open or you can at us. I say at us, at me, because I'm on that account. <laughs> yes, the royal group. At the group. <laughs> <laughs> we will respond. 
I feel the same way when I talk to the Tabletop Journeys Twitter account because I do 95% of the work on the. Tw- so it's like when my personal account talks to the. I'm like, am I talking to myself? Is this really just the form? Should I really I, be retweeting myself in public? Is that okay? Hey, engagement. Do it. Yep. <laughs> we feel you on that, Josh. I. With our most recent collaboration, I, I was trying to write a tweet and I'm like, I'm literally writing from the company account asking people to vote for me while singing my own <laughs> phrases and yeah. myself so I can forward that in other mediums into other groups. That was it was a very weird and surreal experience, especially because I was doing it at eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> and I woke up in the morning, I'm like, Yeah. I did a thing. I'm good with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. We do it. Yep. Yep. Kel, Scald, thank you so very much for popping on here again and taking some time out of your uh, your Saturday evening to go ahead and uh, wrap with us. Uh, so like I said at the beginning of the show, this is our final episode for International Women's Month 2023. Next month, we begin a very exciting chapter for Tabletop Journeys. Tabletop Journeys is going boldly where no one has gone before and beginning both the actual play of Star Trek Adventures, but also a bunch of nice. Star Trek Adventures content shows coming up in nice. April. I will be running through the rest of the summer. Yeah, we are super excited to be diving into the 2D20 system. And we're all Star Trek geeks at heart too, so that's going to be a shockingly good time. And if you want to get in, there is still space to get into our Star Trek Adventures game. It is our Patreon game. We're running two sessions a month right now, so if you want to get in on some Star Trek action, you can follow us at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys and learn more about how to go ahead and do that. Nice. It is literally one of the most narratively amazing role-playing games I've ever played. I've been playing role-playing game since 1983 and this is probably one of the top tier narrative storytelling games i've ever played two games such as powered by the apocalypse and vampire the masquerade it really does an amazing job of being star trek can't sing it enough phrases having so much fun yeah. Nice. Kel Scald, thank you so very much. Uh, this, some, somehow our t- time of frivolity has ended for this day, uh, but thank you so very much again for coming on with us. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Always good and, uh, to see you guys. Yeah. So good such to see a you pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for making You're time for us. And yeah. Thank you again yeah. so Absolutely. much for having us on the show. Oh, always love it so Absolutely. much. And Come for, on, read the phone book next time. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you want. It, it, simply put, I will never say goodbye. It will always be till we talk again. Till next because time. Because it, it is amazing getting to spend time with you both. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Your story. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope that you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed our content for uh, International Women's Month. We'll definitely be uh, doing this again next year. And uh, thank you again, Kelly Scott, for joining us. We'll talk to you all next week when we start uh, diving into Star Trek. Till then, bye-bye. Live long and prosper, y'all. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys, joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday, and every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. 
Lastly, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, you would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And we bid you fair tides, friends, for Legends Await.